Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the world famous Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and this dude, John Coleman. JC. Yes, sir. World famous. I know. I, you, I, you switched it up on me, so I had to switch up my intro, too. Yeah. Well, after episode 71, yeah. you put it out in the universe. Yes. We're going big time. Okay. We're no longer your favorite local podcast. Uh, no, we're worldwide. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I think it was Ludacris that said, you thought I was just 770 and foho Nope. Yep. I'm worldwide. Act like y'all don't know. Wow, look good for yeah. you. Yeah. That's like a little 2002, 2003. Yes. Luda. Anyhow, yes. Thank you for being my co-host. Oh, thank you for being the host. Thank you for being our producer. Ooh, ooh! Someone doesn't like wow, that. Wow, I know, right? I, I tell know. you what, maybe that was the universe. I don't know. I don't know if the mics just picked it up, but we had a loud right. clap of thunder. Yes, we're getting some of that Florida sunshine right now. Yeah, and we talked about how we're going to go worldwide, and the universe it's just that, spoke up and said, "Hell yeah!" Yeah. Hell oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 How worldwide we go. I don't know. But today's episode is going to speak more to mm. Western civilization. Let's go. It's going to be yeah, more of the Americas, maybe a little bit of Canada. Okay. Because we're going to talk about homeownership. Yay. <laughs> My fave. The who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. Okay. I think you hit them all. Hopefully, I need you to keep me on, yeah, on w, track. W, 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 yeah, I think you it's a me. lot. Yeah. It's a lot. But no, in, in full disclosure, over the over the weekend, um, you know, I had some um, friends sharing good news with us, how they're going to buy their dream house in their dream neighborhood, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And it just got the wife and I talking, and I came into the office, and I was all fired up. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just do a show on this. Okay. Because for for our friends, this will be the third home that they that they purchased. Okay. Right. So they they've been out of college about the same age I am, so about twenty years out of college, and in twenty years they've purchased three homes. Which, by the way, that's normal. Hmm. Did you know that? I did not. You said three. And Once like, every seven years. Wow. Once every seven years, more than likely, if you are already a homeowner, you are going to buy or sell real estate. And if you're not going to buy or sell it, you're going to refinance the, the real estate you already own. Okay. It's just a just a statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but how many people just, you know, this is their third time. What if it was only their second time? What if it was their first time? Yeah. What if they're sitting back saying, is it me? Could it be me? Yeah. So let's talk about the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and the how. Let's do it. So who? Who should buy a house? Who everyone. Everyone. According uh, to uh, this. No. Nope, oh, wrong. Damn, wrong. But, wrong. But, wrong. <laughs> And no, not everyone. No, do you know, like, for our economy to be humming along, we want somewhere around sixty-five percent home ownership. Right. We need some renters. Those all those apartment complexes need people to to live in them. Mm. So we don't need a hundred percent home ownership. Okay. Plus, home ownership is not for everybody, right? So we talk about who, like, who should buy a house. Well, people who are looking to build an incredible amount of wealth. Should buy a house, okay? Like because that's what homeownership is going to do for you. But it's also people who are rooted in a geographic area, right? If your job, your employment, is one in which you're going to be in an area for at a minimum three years, three, mm-hmm. but closer to five plus years, then buying a home is going to make more sense than renting most times. Okay. But what's your employment situation? 
Are you gainfully employed? If you're not gainfully employed, then owning a home is more permanent. It's more concrete. It might not be what's best for you because you can't rely on your income being consistent. Mm. If you're not gainfully employed, you maybe need to be able to live somewhere where it's month to month and you can get in and out of leases based on your income. Maybe you need to move in with family. Maybe you need to rent a room. Maybe you can have your own place. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat until you get established. Also, how responsible are you? And this is like full disclosure, like responsibilities. In order to have kids, you should be responsible. If you want to raise a puppy, you should be responsible. If you want to own a home, be responsible. Do you take care of your stuff or do you not? Because homes require you to do preventative maintenance. And if you don't do preventative maintenance, guess what happens? Shit breaks down. Shit breaks down and that's expensive. Yeah. So do you have the money set aside or do you make enough money that you can pay for things to break down? And it's cheaper usually in life. This is that whole an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Mm. It's a lot cheaper if you maintain your home, right? If I change my air filter, if I have my AC unit um, on a quarterly basis uh, cleaned, Mm -hmm. right? Certain things will help me maintain my property. That way I can spend $800 a year cleaning and maintaining my AC versus $2,200 a year getting it fixed, right? So like that's who. Okay. What? 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 Well, we're talking about homes. We're talking about residential real estate. What kind of home should you buy? Though it depends on who you are. There's condos. There's townhomes. There's manufactured homes. There's single family homes. There's duplexes, triplexes, and quadruplexes. Damn. Okay. So let's start with manufactured homes. Okay. Okay. You can finance them. That's residential property. Um... People like them because they tend to be a little bit less expensive. They are uh, uh, easier to um, those are e- easier to get into yeah. if you're shopping on a budget. Mm-hmm. Condos, people love condos because they don't want a yard to upkeep. Mm. Right? They 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 want the simplicity that comes with condo living. Mm. Same thing with a townhome. Con- townhome to me is somewhere in between a condo and a single family home. It's as if they got together. Yep. And they had a little prom date accident, yeah. and they had a baby, <laughs> yeah. and that baby's called a townhome, right? Yeah. A condo meets a single-family home. They have a, they have a townhome. Uh, then you get your single-family homes. Then you have duplexes. I like a duplex for that person who's a wannabe investor, mm. and maybe they um, are younger in life, younger in their career. They don't mind having next-door neighbors that are attached to them, a la a townhome owner or a la a condo owner. Yeah. But they can purchase a townhome, live in one side, rent out the other side. Mm. Maybe they, they live in it for a year, two years, three years, and then they move out. But they, they maintain the property. Now they have a two-unit property, two doors, each collecting uh, rent. Yeah. Same thing applies to a triplex and a quadruplex. If you can find them, you can actually buy a quadruplex, right? That's four units mm-hmm. where you live in one and you rent out three. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. That'd be pretty awesome. Are those like, in Florida? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, you get out by UCF. Oh, uh, in, okay. the, in the in the in the UCF uh, Orlando area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I go back to the 23 year old self of me, especially if I was single at the time, which I wasn't. Mm-hmm. I was engaged and living with with my fiance, who's now my wife. But I look back, I'm like, man, I totally yeah. would have loved having three rentals that all live next to me. And I know, right? That's I'd probably rent it out to my boys. I know, right? But uh, but yeah. So that's the we talked the who the, the what? what, the when when when. We kind of talked about with the who. Yeah. When you have your shit together. Yeah. Like, that's when you buy a house. 
You buy a house when you're responsible. You buy a house when you know that you're going to be situated in your current situation. This yeah. kind of sounds redundant. Yeah, yeah. Are you situated in your situation? <laughs> uh, but if you are, if, if, if you're firm with your job security, the trajectory of your career, yeah, and, and, and let's take it one step further. Home ownership is great for those that have careers, maybe not so great for those that have jobs. Mm. Right? Because a career is something that you take home with you. A career is something you invest in. A career is something that you look to grow. Mm. A job is something that you uh, you trade in your time for a paycheck. Like, hey, I'm going to show up and I'm going to do the five or seven tasks you need me to do today. I'm going to keep on looking at my watch, looking at the clock, and can't wait for it to be quitting time. Jobs typically don't come with security. Mm. I know we talk about job security. We should really talk about career security. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so someone who's in, in, the, in a career and they can see that, that that trajectory. Someone who can afford the maintenance and the upkeep. Um, I think it makes it makes sense to own mm-hmm. a home as well. But um, who, what, what, when, when? So when you have all those things are lined up, mm-hmm. when you can afford it, right? When it fits into your budget, um, I, I think you should do it. And don't get me wrong, homeownership is fantastic. And we've said many times on the show, it is the number one way to to accumulate wealth mm-hmm. is through owning a home. But has to make sense for you. Yeah. The, the the wind definitely has to has to come into play. Where? Wherever you want to live, I guess. And we're done. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like where do you buy? No, that's, that's a good question for everyone to figure out. What are you trying to accomplish would be my question to, to that. Mm. Like what are you trying to buy in an area that has a good school district? Mm-hmm. Because you've realized that you don't mind traveling an extra 20 minutes to and from work if it means that your kids have access to a great public ed- education. And you you know this more than I. Um, what percentage of, like, where people choose to live is driven by, like, school and, like, their children, where they go to school and all that stuff? Because I don't have any, so I'm just curious. For people like you, 0%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for, for those that do have kids, it's a top three factor, if not the number one factor. Really? The number one, number one, two, or three. Okay. I, I would say proximity to work. And, and the, the, the schooling situation, mm-hmm. even if I'm sending my kids to private school, maybe I want to find a home or a neighborhood that puts me in a direct route mm. in order to get my, my child to and from their private school. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, your, your child's education or even their daycare situation is one in which will have a huge factor um, hmm. and, you know, as well as resale. Right. So like, you know, well, if I buy this home, what's the likelihood of it having a good resale value? What's the neighborhood like? Like I may be buying in an area today that's up and coming, but that excites me because I'm able to buy in a little bit cheaper today because it's in a little bit area that was rural just recently. But I just noticed that they're putting in a Regal Cinema. There's a Publix Mm -hmm. going in here. Look, at the end of the day, if you live in the Southeast, by the way, or if you vacationed in Florida, you know about our supermarket Publix. Yeah. Like, hey, shout out to Publix. <laughs> like, there are no others. Yeah. I have friends who live in states. I have family live in states that do not have a Publix, and they can't wait to come down just to go to our supermarket. Yeah. So if you are in an area that is that, that Publix supermarket covers geographically, if you see a Publix going there, buy real estate. Facts. 
Yeah, they know their shit. Yeah. Publix knows their shit. So if they're if they're putting a Publix in there, you should buy it. Mm. Um, but uh, who, what, when, mm. where, where? We're talking about where. Yeah, yeah it, it it needs to be geographically central to what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, location, location, location. That's the first rule of of real estate. So you have to ask yourself: a great home, but in a shitty area, you're going to have a difficult time reselling it. A great home that is geographically far away from from anything else, again, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to to, to, to sell that home. Mm-hmm. But where should be anywhere that you're comfortable living, honestly. Um, resale should come second. But it should be a consideration when you are looking at um, buying a home. It's like, okay, what's my exit strategy? Mm. That's a whole nother topic right there is exit strategy. I'll make a note. Yeah, because, I mean... Everything we do in life, I'm going to go down a little rabbit hole. And we have the time today on this episode. But, like, what is your exit strategy? At what point do you start planning your exit strategy? At the end when you're about to exit, I think, to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, that, but that's, that's a piss-poor strategy. It is. There are so many baby boomers right now that have just woken up and realized that they're 59 years old. Uh-oh. They're going to try to retire in the next seven to nine years. Now, they all thought they'd be retired at 55. Yeah. That ain't going to happen. Just keep moving the goalposts. So, so, so now they're at 59. They're, they're going to work till they're 67 and a half. And they have eight or 900 grand saved through IRAs and through 401ks, which is pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. Except they're used to living lifestyles that are $95,000 a year. Yikes. Yeah, okay. So you have 10 years of your lifestyle saved. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you're planning on dying soon. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, so everything that we do, what's your exit strategy? When I walk into the local theater, when I walk into a restaurant, exit strategy. I look at my exit strategy. Yes, that's just a that's an innate safety measure. Yeah, you. I need to protect myself and the people I'm with. Where are my nearest exits? Yeah. When you get on an airplane, yep. Before you take off, they go over the exit strategy with you. <laughs> yeah. Right. So when you're buying a home, you should have an exit strategy, and the where for where you buy should play into that exit strategy. Hmm. The what of what you buy should play into the exit strategy. If you're teeter-tottering between condo, townhome, condo, townhome, they're pretty similar. The main difference is with a condo, you don't own any land that the home sits on. With a townhome, you actually do own a slice of land, Mm. but they both have um, typically common areas that are maintained by the association, not by you. Gotcha. So if you're trying to, to own a home where it doesn't require yard work, which JC, I know you love your yard yeah, work, yeah. so you would never part from your yeah. five plus acres <laughs> that you live on. Do you have a tractor, by the way? Uh, no, nah, just a little sit, sit down hustler, the kind with the levers that go like that. Okay. So not like a tractor per se. We should get you a tractor. One day. I'm going to get a John Deere. I have my eyes on one. Do you? Yes. Awesome. I have a buddy of mine just bought uh, one. He was able to get 84-month financing, 0% interest. What's the rub? Oh, that's $30,000 tractor. That's the rub. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money to right, spend. Yo, I didn't know they cost that much until yeah. I really started looking into them. That's, that's a Honda Civic. Yeah. 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 Uh, another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're, we're, we're on uh, exit strategies. Yeah, exit strategies. But, but, yeah, so, so the what you buy, look, a single-family home, st- statistically – has better resale than a condo or a townhome and mm-hmm. definitely a lot better than a mobile home, right? Because not everyone wants to live in a mobile home. So you're going to pare down 
your your buyer pool, right? Yeah. When when I was 22 years old, living in Atlanta, Georgia, and wifey wanted to buy a house, I ran the numbers and I found a couple of mobile homes that were really they were new. They had fireplaces, yeah, they yeah. had granite, they were super cute. Hey, she wasn't gonna live in a mobile home. She wasn't having it. Period in the story. I was like, sign me up. Yeah. I can get a half an acre with this 2,200 square foot, four bedroom, two bath mobile home. Yeah. 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 Or manufactured home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that's, that's something your exit strategy should, should come into play. That makes sense. Who, what, when, where, how, how with a cash out refi from Waterstone mortgage. No. Why would you use a cash out refinance to buy a property? So I could say things like that. So you could correct me. Okay. I mean, look, just because you brought it up. Right, and then you, it's as if you're teeing me up, like, "Oh, here, let's watch Dio geek out real quick. Let's watch and take a sip of water." <laughs> yes. I told All you, right. man, just wind you up, man. That was the wind up for me. So, let's start with this: a cash out refinance. A, you have to already own property. Oh, okay. You have to, and, and you have to have equity in your property. And to do a cash out refinance, if you think about what it is, you're pulling cash out of your home mm-hmm. and refinance to finance again. Okay. It's to get another loan. Mm. So to do what you want to do, let's say you already own a property. Okay. And let's say you want to, re, you want to, you want to keep that property. Mm-hmm. Okay. You want to retain it because you're going to turn it into a rental. Which, by the way, for anyone who's looking to establish a long-term real estate investment portfolio, my buddy Dennis is doing this. You actually met mm-hmm. Dennis. Mm-hmm. He was a guest on, uh, on episode 70, I believe. Yeah. And um, Dennis will buy a home. Typically in disrepair, he's handy. He enjoys it. He fixes it up himself. He lives in it for a year or two. Then he holds on to it and goes and finds the next property. He puts a renter in that property, goes and buy, finds and buys the next one. Hmm. Does that for a year or two, finds a renter, rents repeat. Dennis has it figured out. He's 40 years old. By the time he's 50, he's going to have five rentals. Hmm. He'll have five rentals, all of which he purchased as a primary home he lived in himself. Once he had them all fixed up and ready to go, then you know the fun wore off. The new the, the new wore off. The honeymoon phase came and went. Yeah, it's time for him to go ahead and rent those homes to someone else, wow. and go on. And for anyone who's out there looking to to rent to buy homes for rental purposes, keep this in mind: the largest subsection of humans is the millennial generation, right? The millennials coming up right now are larger than the baby boomers in terms of numbers. In terms of numbers, okay. These are people who are going to need to either buy homes or more than we've ever seen in the history of generations, people, baby boomers and mm-hmm. Xers and Wisers and everyone else. <laughs> Wisers, wise. <laughs> um, they're going to be more susceptible to rent and they want to rent single family homes, not rent apartments. Ah. They're going to rent because of being um, uh, a little bit bogged down with student loan debt. But... Yeah, so something to keep in mind yeah, that's really for people that are out there that, look, they're like, hey, yeah, I have my six months reserves. I'm already 401k in it. I'm already IRA in it. And I want to diversify a little bit. I talked to my financial advisor. We want to buy an investment property. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're younger in life and they're like, hey, I want to buy my first house. I want to plan on living in there for three to five years. Then I want to keep it. I want to buy another property. I might live in that one for three or five years, but I still want to keep it. And I want to buy another property. God, that's so- you can do so. And in fact... Like you can buy your first house, you put three percent down, because you're buying it as a primary home. Live in it for two or three years, retain it, rent it, go buy another house. You, you 
if, if the, the rules and the guidelines on the loan program stay the same, you'll still be able to do a three or 5% down payment yeah. on each of the next homes. So maybe your first home is $250,000, three bedroom, two bath. Your next home's a, a $400,000, uh, four bedroom, two and a half bath. Then your last home is that $550,000, five bedroom, three yeah. bath, three car garage. Damn. You could actually accumulate properties that way when um you know when 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 you're out there buying so where were we on this one who what, what when where, where is the how how's left yeah well it's uh, the house so you mentioned cash out refinance <laughs> and I, yeah, I, yeah wound you up yeah wound me up so you would do a cash out refinance if you want to pull equity out of one particular home in order to maybe parlay that equity into another home purchase understood right so let's say you own a home that you bought 10 years ago you owe 200 on it because you've paid down your loan because of appreciation. Maybe your home was worth $450,000. You listen to this podcast. You're now convinced that you want to go buy two rental properties, but you need down payment money for the rental property because although you can buy a primary home with three to 5% down, you're going to need 20% for a rental property. Gotcha. Period. End of story. That's where John Coleman's cash out refinance comes into play. You go to a lender like Waterstone, and you're like, hey, look, my home's worth 400, I only owe 200, I wanna do a cash out refinance. Waterstone says, great, we'll go ahead and lend you 80% of $450,000, which is roughly 360,000. So we're gonna give you a new loan for 360, we're gonna pay off your loan that you currently have for 200, that leaves you with 160 grand. Let's go ahead and take 10 grand off because you needed some for closing costs and you wanted some because, uh, I don't know, you need to get your teeth fixed. Yeah. All right, so you have 150 grand. You now can use that $150,000 to go out and buy two rental properties, each at the sales price of roughly two hundred twenty-five dollars to $250,000. Put your 20% down, cover your closing costs, plus have a few thousand dollars left over to either A, create a reserve account for each investment property, or B, do whatever minor repairs are required in order to get the home in renting condition. Hmm. That, my friend, is how you would use a cash out refinance in order to purchase property. But you wouldn't use a cash out refinance to purchase a brand new property. You would just get a regular loan. Correct. We call those end loans. End loans. Yeah, you just come get an end loan. So we talked about the who, we talked about the where, the what, the why, the why now the how. Mm. The how starts with a mortgage pre-approval. The how starts with picking up the phone, calling your favorite mortgage lender that you know, like, and trust that's going to tailor make financing to match your individual financial needs, wants, and goals, right? We've learned because we tune in to this podcast because we're an astute student mm -hmm. that there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all mortgage, that mortgages need to be tailor-made to match each individual home buyer's financial needs, wants, and goals. So the first step on the how, mm -hmm. who, what, when, where, how, how yeah. is, is to pick up the phone and, and, and really get your financing in order. Know your numbers. Know how much money do I need for down payment? How much do I need for closing costs? Yeah. Do I need to refinance my current house in order to buy this next house? Do I need to refinance my car loan in order to buy this home? Mm -hmm. By the way, we do this for people. We help put home buyers in contact with bankers who sometimes need to refinance their auto loan to help them qualify for the uh, home loan that, yeah. that, that they want. It's all connected. Yeah. Do I need to pay off that medical collection? Do I need to pay down my credit card? Don't do anything until you talk to a professional who can help guide you. This may sound ignorant, but why do I was here, which is true, why do I was here, get pre-approved first before going out and finding the house versus like finding the house first and trying to back end getting approved? Because you'll get yourself into just a sticky situation. 
Right. If you go out and find a home that you love, what if the down payment required to buy that house doesn't fit your financial needs, wants, and goals? What if the payment that that particular home um, yields is not a payment that you're comfortable with? Does you just went and fell in love with something you can't afford. Does that happen a lot? It seems like that would happen. Too a lot. many times. Yes. We put the cart before the horse. Don't put the cart before the horse. It's a, this is this is still a business transaction. And the business is your life. It's your retirement. It's your adventure that you get to live. No one wants to be house poor. That's not fun, right? Being being house poor doesn't allow me to go out to the local pub for fish and chips and free Guinness night, mm-hmm. you know, maybe free Guinness night, but I can't afford the uh, fish and chips. Um, no, you, you, it just, it's like, I'm at a loss of words. It's so baffling for me yeah. to think that it would make sense for someone to want to go find the house before they have any idea how much it's going to cost them from a monthly basis, how much they're going to, the, the, they're going to need out of their pocket to get into it. Mm. And, and does it even fit into their financial plans? Does owning this home allow you also to contribute to little Sally's wedding? If that's something you want to do, does owning this home also allow you to tithe to your church and the amount that you want to, does owning this home allow you this, the season tickets to your favorite sporting event? No, no, no. But I got the home I really wanted. I mean, that's terrible. It sounds so bad, though. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't make any sense. That do, so, do, But do a lot of people, because you, you've seen this, they'll find the home and then everything else is secondary. Oh, I'll figure out how to pay for your school. I'll figure out how to put food in the fridge, but I just want this home. Because it seems like that's how. That was in four, five, and six. I know, I know that people want to blame the banks and they want to blame Wall Street, and they should. Right, they should also blame the regulators and the realtors and the lenders and the appraisers, but they should also look deep and hard in the mirror and blame themselves. I was a young originator starting my career in 2004, and I remember because I was trained right. Um, I didn't know this like on my own. This is how I was trained, but I was trained to ask people things like, "Hey, John, what's your comfort monthly payment?" Not, "Hey, John, this is how much you can afford." What are you comfortable paying each month? And your answer would be $1,300 a month. And I'm like, all right, cool. That's going to help you buy a $135,000 home. And you're like, but the home I'm in love with is $225,000. Exactly. And we're like, yeah, but John, that's going to be $600 more a month than what you said, plus you're going to need an extra three grand at closing. You're like, well, that's fine. I'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. That's really what happened. I'll figure it out. People didn't understand wants versus needs. Right. I mean, it's like just because you can, you don't. We talked about this on the potpourri episode. (laughs) Just because you can, just because you can qualify doesn't mean that you do. It doesn't mean that you go for it. You know, look, right now I can stop what I'm doing, walk out of this office and fly to London. But I don't. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. like there's many reasons why I don't. I and. And, and you would look at me like all crazy. I'd like, why would you do that? Well, that's how I look at people when they go out looking at homes before knowing their numbers. And how do, the, how do their numbers impact their life? You're talking about the largest purchase of your life. You're talking about one of your largest monthly expenses, your housing expense. Like there's a set order. There's a set rhyme and reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how? You get pre-approved. You reach out to your favorite lender that you know, like, and trust. And you understand that this is a large financial transaction that you're getting ready to uh, encounter. And you need people in your corner. 
Okay, getting a mortgage is not clicking buttons. It is not going online, filling out some information, and having a rate spit out in an in a automated letter that says you're approved. Because what that letter and what that rate doesn't tell you is, or help you understand, does this make sense for what you're trying to accomplish in life? You could be buying a home that's too small. Too small. I see that. Younger couples, younger in their careers, they buy uh, very conservatively the home that they can afford today, failing to realize that their income is going to grow 20% from year one to year two and another 20% from year two to year four in their career. Hmm. I'm all for buying a home conservatively, meaning when I sit down and run my numbers and my numbers say that I can afford X, let me go ahead and round it down by 20%. And that's what I want to make my max. Ah, can you say that again? Because I could use that as a hack. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Was, well, well, I mean, there's, there's lots of rules of thumb, right? Yeah. There's, well, your monthly housing expense should not exceed 25% of your gross monthly income. Hmm. But I'm just saying in general, what I just said was um, there's people who take a conservative approach mm -hmm. to their personal finances. And when they run that number, the 25%, mm -hmm. they don't go off of 25%. They use 20%, mm -hmm. which that makes a lot of sense for someone who is established in their career. But if you're newer in your career, you're a couple years out of college and you're still in that junior role, but you're looking to make partner, you need to ask yourself, what are the odds that my income is going to increase? Normally what I find is that the pay from year two to year three, year three pay is substantially better than year two pay. The pay from year three to year five is even that much more substantial. So if you're in a career where your income is going to go up by 50, 75, or even 100% in your first three to five years, because you're newer in your career, because maybe you're a fairly recent college grad, I have seen people take too conservative of, approach, of an approach when they go to buy. And then what happens? They're just like stuck in a home that's uber small and like, ah. Yeah, that's the person that's that. Look, I love it because you're calling me two to three years later wanting another mortgage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But I'm not in it for that one transaction. Right? Mm -hmm. Most good loan officers, they're not in it for that, oh, that singular transaction. No, it's, it's a lifetime relationship they're trying to build with you. And the advice I have for that person is, look, you guys may want to actually push the envelope a little bit. You guys, maybe you go ahead and do 30% of your gross monthly income because you'll qualify for it because your income is getting ready to increase over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Hmm. And there's other people where you look at, at their budget. I'm like, man, how hard are you running? Like you're 100% sales commission. You haven't taken a vacation in seven years. Hmm. Your, your kids are getting to an age where they're going to be fun to travel with. Like, are you really going to keep up this pace? Maybe you should dial back a little bit. Maybe you don't need to, to purchase at 25% of your, your payment shouldn't be 25%. It should be 18% or 20% because maybe you, this income you're making isn't going to be sustainable for you. Mm. So the, the, the how, yeah, it starts with a conversation with yourself, with your significant other, but then you have to start tying in your professionals that you believe in, yeah. your financial advisors, your loan officers. Let them circle around you. You feed them what you're trying to accomplish and then let them go ahead and, and give you all of their advice. And by the way, their advice is free. It's free. They get paid when they close a loan for you. Right? That's buying a house. Yeah. Who? What? 
when, where, how. How. That was awesome. That's it. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. We're done. Deuces.